many creators burn out, right? Yeah. I always joke that I feel like I'm going to burn out in a couple of years, even though I just started. Yeah. It's so tiring coming up with new ideas every single day. But one tip that I have is create like a little backlog of different ideas, transitions, whatever. Go visit your videos from months ago and try to revamp them, yeah. redo them. And then at that point, if you cycle through all the while adding new content as well, you're gonna have like an endless supply of ideas. Welcome to the Full-Time Influencer Podcast. I'm your host, Tina Lee, and I'll be sharing industry knowledge and social media tips through weekly interviews with established creators and Q&A sessions. Our goal is to help you decode social media, become a full-time influencer, and do what you love for a living. Let's dive in. Today, we have a very, very talented guest, Vanessa from Vivacious Honey, and I'm so excited to chat with her about how she built her entire online empire. So could you maybe start with like a couple sentences of what you do and what your niche is? Sure. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to have a little conversation with you today. Um, a little bit about me. My name is Vanessa. I also go by Vivacious Honey. I typically post fashion content and my main platforms are TikTok, Instagram, and I'm kind of, you know, treading into YouTube, which is like a new category for me. I think it's funny how you said you're treading into YouTube, but you have like 700,000 subscribers on YouTube, right? <laughs> That's crazy. Yes, but I primarily post shorts. So whenever I create like a short form video, I just you know, copy paste on all three platforms. So with YouTube in particular, I'm trying to kind of get into long form content, which is like a little bit different for me. That's what I mean, where it's mm. like, mm, you know, stepping my foot into there. Wow, that's awesome. You're really well-rounded with all of the different platforms. Maybe you can uh, start by telling us how you got started. Was it kind of like everyone else where you started on Instagram, then you saw TikTok and hopped on that trend? How did it all begin? So I've been posting fashion content since I was 12 years old. <laughs> wow. And just like having little photos. I know I was very cringe at the time. I know my classmates were like, oh, there's Vanessa taking pictures again. But I mean, hey, it paid off. I love it. But, yeah. <laughs> I guess it all kind of, you know, started snowballing around quarantine. I think at the time, a lot of people were just getting into their creative flow since they were stuck at home. Yeah. As for me, I was in a virtual internship at the time. And if I'm being honest, instead of listening in on, you know, meetings, I would <laughs> go off to the side and like record um, fashion videos just because I thought it was fun. Um, yeah. I started off with Instagram reels and the reason I think I did so well there is because I caught it at a very beautiful time where Instagram reels was just becoming a thing. Um, and so the market wasn't overly saturated and all the views got funneled towards like the few creators who were starting off there. Um, so that went well. And then I was like, you know what, let me try TikTok and is history. Wow. So so actually you have more followers on TikTok than Instagram right now, right? So it yes. paid off like triple for you by reposting the same stuff you're literally creating for Instagram. Definitely. It's amazing. Yeah, I would definitely recommend to all creators, why not repurpose your content? You already have it. You already did the work. 
you might as well try to like monopolize all the different platforms. It only serves to help you. Exactly. Yeah. Actually, I always tell people that like people are、uh, often just creating for reels, but you can post it on Shorts and TikTok. And I personally didn't put any effort into TikTok at all, and it kind of just. Grew a little bit on its own, like 260k, 50k, which is hard for most people if you had to like start from scratch. But if you're just repurposing,、mm-hmm. it's a lot easier. So then,、uh, you have just graduated from college, right? Yes, in December. Oh, that's kind of a unusual time. Yeah, I was able to save a semester, which is great. Did you have a different career path before you kind of? Everything happened during the pandemic. Definitely. So I started off as a computer science major.、Um, thankfully, I am not in that field right now. But I also think that when everything took off, again, it was a really beautiful time for me personally because it was right at that cusp of I was about to graduate, so I could make that decision. You know, I didn't have to spend a couple years in the field. And then realize, like, oh shit! Like, time to become an influencer. This is not what I want. Yeah, it was like at a beautiful like crossroads, and so I just, you know, decided to just jump in with influencing and never looked back. <laughs> oh, that's awesome! I love that the timing was so perfect for you, which is super, super fortunate.、Um, what was the point that things kind of started to、uh, change in terms of? I know you had growth first, and then maybe afterwards you've.、Mm-hmm. Like a lot of brands started coming to you. I kind of listened to your other episode on Asian Hustle Network, and you mentioned that in the beginning you weren't really sure what your worth was. I feel like we all went through that as creators. Was there an inflection point where you realized, oh, I should be charging way more, or like this is a proper career that is even more lucrative than what I was going to do before? I think for me, I was never really able. To get my own worth individually, when I signed on with a management team, that's when I was like, okay, the whole time I should have been charging a lot more. I always knew in the back of my head, like,、yeah. oh, I could probably ask for more, but it's so hard when you're by yourself, like a new influencer. Like, the brand's job is to save as much money for the company, so of course、yes. they're going to lowball you. You can't take it personally, but at the same、yes. time, you know, people don't openly talk about money. Um, yeah, especially yeah. in our career because it's so brand new.、Um, so every time I'd be like, "Sure, I'll, I'll I'll take that amount," and I wouldn't even like, I wouldn't even haggle because <laughs>、really? I was just so nervous. Yeah. Oh no! Do you mind sharing like what was the lowest amount that you did like a video for? I mean, at the time I was a lot smaller, but I think my first big video that I thought was like a huge breakthrough, I think was like four hundred seventy-five dollars. For a reel, and at the time, I was like, "Wow, that's a lot of money!" So I can't complain. But、um, looking back, it's like, okay, I probably should have gotten more at that time in my career. Yeah, yeah.、Um, depending on your follower count, but I mean, reels are definitely a lot harder work, especially the quality that you produce. That's definitely something you can charge way more for. But、um, I'm glad your management team now takes good care of you. Did they reach out to you, or did you find them? My management team reached out to me, and I'm so incredibly grateful because at the time I think I had only like 10,000 followers,、yeah. um, and so he,、wow. my manager, he DM'd me, and、uh, I was like, "Who's this random guy?" <laughs> I was like, "Who's this random guy?" Like at the time, I was like, "Oh, I don't need management," so I was like, "Oh no, thank you."、Um, skip forward a couple months, I had grown exponentially. 
he reaches out to me again. It's like, hey, remember when we had that conversation a long time ago? And I was like, you know what? Now's the time. And I'm so glad that he was persistent and asked me again. (laughs) You know, something that I I noticed about you is so... Uh, really cool is that you just seem so composed and mature even when you talked about like brand deals they need to try and decrease their cost and so that's Mm -hmm. why they are always trying to lowball us and we shouldn't really take it personally I think you have a great point there and I know that you know we can get pretty upset often as creators because we have to represent ourselves and it feels like a personal attack because the price is so low for the amount of effort Mm -hmm. that we have to put in Um, but I think a very mature way to approach it is really to understand that they're just doing their job like of course they need to reduce their ad budget and cost and if they can use a lower amount to get more influence and more reach then they would be doing their job good and we are doing our job better by you know negotiating our worth and creating good content that would deliver for the brand definitely it's definitely a back and forth you know there's not one rate that'll fly for every single company and every single influencer it really does depend on so many factors totally so if you had to kind of calculate your rate right now how would you go about doing that even though i know you have a management and you don't have to like say the number or anything um how would you go about it because i know a lot of people listening don't even know what to consider when thinking about Mm. their rates there's probably a like a base rate for how much you it would cost for you to even create the content and then on top of that like how much reach you can get and which platform it is So I don't know the specific numbers associated with everything because that's what my management team does. But I can say that there are so many factors that I did not know I should take into consideration Mm. at all when I was by myself. Things like exclusivity, you know, not being allowed to promote other brands during a certain time frame or, you know, if the brand wants to boost the content as like an ad for their platforms, that's an additional cost as well. Um, yeah, little things like that in the contract that you don't even really think, you know, when I was by myself, I was like, okay, I have this many followers on this platform and they want this video. Here's my one number for you. Um, and that was really it, but it is so more, much more dependent than just follower count. You also have to take into consideration engagement rate, you know, Mm -hmm. reach impressions, so many analytics, even a lot of times brands will even ask me for like my demographics. on different platforms because that is so important if you know you're working for a female fashion company if you have majority of you know men then of course it's going to play a role because that's not the target audience for them totally yeah those are all really important factors and that's why like creating a media kit that showcases everything your demographics and the things that you can create is so helpful and important to to showcase your abilities Hey, I want to take a moment to say thank you so much for tuning in. If you're enjoying the Full-Time Influencer Podcast, I would really appreciate if you could just take one minute to leave us a five-star review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Your support really helps us to get seen and continue producing quality interviews and episodes for you. All right, now back to the show. Actually, what I wanted to ask is if you have any tips on um, being able to 
create really quality reels. I think that everybody understands that reels are important. However, I see very few people executing reels to the quality that you have. So mm-hmm. are, are there some tips that you can provide maybe for people who are just learning, who are getting used to softwares? What, what can they do or how can they, they learn and get better at executing? Well, first of all, thank you. That really means a lot to hear you say that I have, you know, quality. Yeah, you um, really that's do. something that I definitely strive for. Thank you. Um, I guess for tips, as cliche as it sounds, it really does come to practice makes perfect. Yeah. You know, you got to kind of get into the groove. Um, one thing that I love to do that's like a little tidbit is, I don't know if you do this, but I edit as I film. Yeah. So because I have an iPhone and a Mac, I will just straight away airdrop whatever mm-hmm. clip I just filmed. And then as I integrate it into the rest of my clips, I can see, okay, I have to reshoot this one because it doesn't align perfectly or the transition isn't perfect. Yes. That way you don't have to rechange back into an outfit later or realize, oh shit, I moved my camera and now the transition isn't perfect. Um, so I would definitely edit as you go if you can do that. I think that's totally really helpful. Yeah. Even when I'm traveling, I try to edit on the go too because it could be stitching together multiple locations and it's even worse because maybe at home you can redo it but then when you're traveling you're not going back to that location so like on the spot I would just squat Mm -hmm. there and then take out an app and then test to see if it even connects first if I need to refilm it and if it all looks okay just needs more precise editing then I'll do that back home but that's that's a great tip actually I've always been really impressed with your traveling edits because the fact that the camera obviously is not in the same location. Like I know when my camera at home moves like a centimeter, I'm like, yeah. shit, I, know. <laughs> I have to redo it. Yeah. So that's amazing that you can do that. Yeah, it's a lot of like uh, post-editing to match it up so that they, they look the same size. But then also remembering, you know, what height the phone was or the camera was when you shot the last one. And then just making sure that that is consistent. And like you said, like editing on the spot make sure that you can execute it pretty well. I actually have like a personal question that I wanted to ask you because I have this difficulty. Like you see my background where I'm shooting, I'm facing a window and you're probably also facing natural light, but the light changes. Like suddenly there's a cloud that comes by and then the lighting is different. And then when you try to edit it, especially, you know, we both kind of do duplication things so you have to mask a lot Mm -hmm. and then suddenly it's totally different colors it's it's a pain how do you deal with that oh boy i honestly just try to avoid it i know like for this window um the sun sets Mm. so i know around like i don't know four or five p.m when you know the lighting starts shifting through my blinds and there's stripes everywhere i'm like okay I can't do it today. Same, same. Do it. But I guess in general, just for like clouds and everything, it is really nitpicky, but I guess it does come down to like, you know, trying to be perfect with everything. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I'll try to like color grade it. Yeah. Um, or just try to like edit the exposure or lighting or warmth to make it match as close as possible. But if I really can't do that, um, for instance, if I'm doing a transition and the first clip is a completely different lighting setup than the second clip. If I don't want it to be obvious, what I'll do is not only will I have a transition, but I'll also include like a zoom Uh, or something in the middle of the transition. And it kind of distracts the eye away from the fact that the lighting changes. Yeah, 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 totally. Yes, that's a great tip too. Sometimes when the transition isn't perfect or if you couldn't always do it on a tripod, let's say you have to have someone 
um, do it with movement and then you need to connect to and make mm-hmm. it seamless just add a little like a jump like a little yeah like a shake yeah, yeah. shake and then um, also like zoom ins and that helps as as well and um, the technical term for that is Ken Burns so if anybody wants to google that and learn how to do that you should be able to YouTube that easily yeah and it looks purposeful yeah. you know it doesn't look like oh I'm just trying to cover up a little oopsie like it looks very purposeful it does <laughs> but it also makes the whole thing more engaging because if the entire reel mm-hmm. was just still and then circling through outfits sometimes that's already enough because it's it's good enough on its own but then adding a little bit of movement looks even more mm, dynamic I think when you were talking about the agency that you signed with, um, do you allow them to access your email inbox or do you screen them first and then you send them the gigs that you want them to help you negotiate? Yeah. So initially, um, I had control over my inbox. They didn't see any of my incoming emails mm-hmm. just because it's really hard for me to let go of control. Yeah. Um, that's something you know as you start to expand and get bigger and you want to delegate tasks that's something you have to become comfortable with yeah yeah. so at first whenever companies would reach out to me I would just forward in my uh, management team Mm -hmm. and be like okay looping in my management team um but actually quite recently I let my manager take control of my inbox just so that I have another thing off of my plate. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome because it's taking a lot of time for you to sift through everything, right? Yeah, and it did get very repetitive um, being that middleman right. just saying, okay, looping in right. the management team, there was no point. And at this point in our relationship, I really trust them and you know they know what kind of jobs that I desire and the ones that I don't. Yeah. So. so what kind of jobs do you like? Typically fashion, of course. Um, thankfully, I am at a point in my career what I, where I can be relatively selective, which is great. I know if you're just starting off, you know, you're going to want to say yes to almost everything that comes in the door. Yeah. Um, so at the beginning, I would do a lot of, you know, beauty products, skincare products, even though that isn't really my jam. Mm-hmm. You know, I just like clothes. Yeah. <laughs> So nowadays, I try to just stick with fashion. Yeah, that's awesome. It's definitely something that is hard in the beginning. When I first started, I also found it hard to say no to some gigs, even though I feel like I wasn't truly the expert uh, in the area, if it's like, let's say, mm-hmm. like makeup or something. Um, but I think it's it's maybe a little bit of experimentation that we all go through in the beginning. And then over some time, we yeah. really understand what suits our brand and we're confident enough to say no to the others as well. So if anybody listening yeah. is in that situation, know that you're not alone and that we all have maybe some brand deals that we look back and we probably wouldn't do if we thought about it carefully. Definitely. I. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I think I think all influencers can look back and be like, oh, shit, you know, yeah. I don't know about that. Like, I don't even know if I really liked the product. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's, it's all trial and error. Yes, yes. You learn along the way and it's totally okay if there's small blunders here and there. Um, so mm-hmm. are you, when I DM'd you, you did mention something about how you don't check your DMs really often. Is, there, is that a conscious choice to, to not check DMs? So I used to being incredibly anal about my DMs. I would go through every single one and try to reply to as many people as possible. And as much as I absolutely love connecting with my audience, there is a point where, okay, this is becoming draining. Yeah. Um, 
I think I should focus my energy on creating content and, you know, reaching more people. So for the majority of brands that DM me, I have an assistant now. So she helps me direct those brands to my email inbox instead. Um, as for you, I'm very, so lucky. I'm so lucky to have checked my inbox um, when you DM'd me because again, I rarely do, but I think because we were mutuals, it was at like the top of my inbox, which is great too. Um, so it is a conscious decision. It's one of those that, you know, doesn't sit super right with me. Like I would love to, you know, talk to every one of, you know, my followers who DM me, but at this point, I think it's just the best move for me not to pour hours into it. It really is hours. Um, I used to also be the same way, like every single message had to have something to say back. And it took a couple years to be like, okay, maybe if it's just like something nice or something short or something that doesn't need me to answer directly, maybe I could just let that slide and then just appreciate it yeah. <laughs> sort of on my own. But yeah, and I think ultimately what I realized is people are okay with that. And they understand that if you, as you grow, it would be a lot harder for you to respond to everything. Um, but if it's like a direct question, then I try to answer it. But then another thing I do is like try to also post it on my stories. So then maybe other people will see, yes. and then you just already answered multiple people's questions. Yeah, I agree. I think when I was really into responding to every single DM, I had this little, uh, note cheat sheet because a lot of people would ask me the same question uh, yeah. like what's your workout routine yeah. like where do you post your outfits um so I would have copy and paste like oh this is my workout routine in one little paragraph yeah. um but again it's like it's so very repetitive that you know I do feel like posting it on my story hopefully people see that and it's definitely I don't know I, I don't want to seem like oh I'm not going to respond to you guys like I'm so ungrateful it's just it's it's so hard to have that balance. It is. You know? It is. There is a fine line between um, protecting your space and mental health and also, but, you know, being approachable and responding to people and helping, helping people. Mm-hmm. Something that actually just kind of happened today is I got like a message and um, it was just kind of like slightly negative, but I don't think they were meaning to attack me. But when I scroll up and look at all the previous messages they send, what I notice is there are some people who just default to something negative. They will always see a story and then find the negative in it and then like to point it out. They don't mean to attack me, actually. Like I could tell in their phrasing, it was just making a comment. And we don't have the choice to block off this communication. Like it comes in our inbox. We can't be like, I don't want to see it. Like the moment you go into your inbox, you see it and it affects you. And so it is up to us to Mm -hmm. decide like what we let in. So I'm kind of in line with you, although I still probably uh, spend a bit more time responding. But when I see those people and I see a pattern of just them being negative and it projected onto the comments they make, I just block them. Because I'm just like, I, I really don't need this anymore. Yeah. I used to just ignore and let them be. But no, no more. That's good. I I think that's another thing too, right? It's getting used to negativity. Yes. That's really tough. And at the end of the day, it's like they don't know you. They only see what, like five seconds of you, you know, your face online. They don't know the real yeah. you. And so it's so hard to not take things to heart. Yeah. 
that's probably like the biggest shock oh really becoming an influencer for me yes you seem so confident though do you does that still affect you or have you um kind of gotten over negative comments it's definitely still a work in progress for me i'm glad you say that i seem confident but (laughs) kind of fake it till you make it honestly no but um in regards to negativity it, it really depends right if somebody criticizes something that I am already a little bit insecure mm. about, that's that's when, you know, that yes. recoil happens and you start thinking like, oh, are they yeah, right? Yeah. Like, do other people think this? But if somebody is just a troll and they say something completely out of left field, that's when you kind of let yeah. it slide. Um, so for me, it's it's when somebody critiques me and I get kind of defensive, it's like, okay, I need to take a step back and I have to think to myself, why did I get defensive? Yes is there some truth in what they're saying? And um, you can't let it affect you, but at the same time, just watch how you mm-hmm. react, I guess, to the negativity, because that could that could say something. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily have to, but it's just something to keep in yeah. mind. You know, I've had all kinds of comments over the years, including like, your toes are ugly. But um, one thing that I can't get over is if people say like, oh, I feel like your content is not the same or if they're like oh I feel like you know I don't I wish you posted what you used to do you know maybe it was like I had a different style or I did uh, cinemagraphs and now it's more reels and I'm like that doesn't perform anymore and so I had to transition into creating more reels or photos don't perform anymore so I put less effort into photos and try to think more about videos and then people will sometimes make comments that are like oh I wish you did this kind of content that you used to do. Like, I wish I could see that. It kind of hurts a little because I hate disappointing people and especially because content is like something I really enjoy and would like to keep improving Mm -hmm. on. And so I feel like that's like the part that stinks (laughs) for me more than physical appearance. Hopefully this helps, but let's say that you went back to like your old content per se. You know what people would say then? <laughs> they would start saying, you need to mix it yeah, up. Yeah, probably. You keep doing yeah, the same yeah. thing. So at the end of the day, you can't yeah. win. So just do whatever that you want. That is so true. <laughs> You're not going to please everybody. That's, that's very true. It's kind of like when you put yourself out there, if you say, I love oranges, people say, like, why don't you love apples? And you just, you can't win. But mm-hmm. understand that everyone kind of has their own uh, what they prefer and what they like. And so you have to stay true to yourself and um what you think is the the right direction to go in for your brand. Yeah, and there also is such a fine line between pursuing content that you love to create versus what you know will perform well. You know, in the best scenario, it should align, hopefully. Um, But a lot of times it is like kind of finding that balance. Um, I know sometimes I will come up with a new idea. It does great. I love creating it. It'll last for like a couple weeks people are bored. Yeah, and then yeah. it's like, oh, well, shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, I finally found something that works that I like. Um, not to say that you can't keep doing what you want to do. But yeah, it's it's tough. Yeah, it's tough to find a perfect balance in an industry that's changing all the time. Totally. Um, but I love that you are trying new things, though. And if people respond well to that, it shows that you people are there for you, not just the one style of video that you created. So then you've done something very right with the, the brand part, the personal mm-hmm. brand. So it's very important to sometimes branch out 
Although I feel like you're you're super consistent. Like I, it's always like the same angle in your room, but then you change it up with the outfits and the editing techniques and all that, or the trending sound. So it's still always fresh and new, but then it's branded. Yeah. And Thank you. I hope yeah, so. Yeah, it's it's still though very recognizable. Like you see it and you're like, oh, that's Vanessa's video. Yeah, and a great thing too is like. So many creators burn out, right? Yeah. I always joke that I feel like I'm gonna burn out in a couple of years, even though I just started. Yeah, it's so tiring coming up with new ideas every single day. But one tip that I have is create like a little, uh, I don't know, like backlog of different ideas, transitions, whatever. Go back to them, right? Start something new. If that you know kind of starts to fizzle out, go visit your videos from months ago and try to revamp them. Yes redo them and then at that point if you cycle through all the while adding new content as well you're gonna have like an endless supply of ideas yeah totally yeah and also if you revamp it and make it different not only the people who followed you for that viral piece of content will sort of get what they want mm -hmm. again but then it's refreshing because then you made it different from what it originally was yeah that's definitely a great tip so go back into your analytics, your insights, and check whatever performed the best for you and go and create those content, but a better version. Great tip. Um, mm -hmm. You mentioned that you have an assistant now. Is that a recent thing? Relatively recent. I would say a couple months ago. Um, she's great. She's my childhood best friend. Um, Oh. Yeah, so she helps me um, moderate my DMs and she helps me, you know, do little tasks like add to my Depop. So it's been great having her. Unfortunately, um, she's starting a full-time position soon somewhere else. So I will start interviewing other people soon. So that's kind of exciting though. <laughs> Where do you plan to look? Um, honestly, I'm not really sure right now. It's kind of word of mouth. People like, you know, friends of friends, just because it has to be someone I really trust just because they're going to have access to all of yeah, my accounts. Yeah as well as my house yeah. <laughs> if they come in and like take photos for yeah. Depop. True, so. true, true. Yeah, I, I first hired my assistant, my first ever, and she's still with me. It's been like almost two years, which is crazy. Um, but I just posted on my stories and asked for anyone who's good at like design and can create um, videos and all that. And uh, I feel like that's a good way because in, in a way they know your brand and they are familiar with how you show up. But of course, then when screening, it's very important to pick someone you feel like feels trustworthy, maybe after an interview and you get mm -hmm. a good sense from them. Um, it, it does work out well, though. It has worked out thus far for me personally. That's good. Yeah, it's very exciting creating like a little team. I guess like even like, when I got an accountant, I was excited. <laughs> I was like, wow, like, what is this? This is becoming a thing. So it's very exciting, you know, aggregating a little team that's there to support you. Yeah. Um, yesterday, yesterday's Monday. Yeah. Yesterday, I just had my first call with two new team members, which makes us like five people, five people that I am paying oh. now, which is kind of crazy. Um, and I can't, I, personally can't believe it's gotten to this point but I'm sure you'll probably get there one day too but one step at a time the assistant is always the first hire and then after that yeah. it's like contractors who can help you with specific things but you already have like a manager so 
that's already helping you a lot, right? Yes, yes, thank God. <laughs> so then beyond what you're doing right now, um, do you have some next step plans? Usually, you know, after the brand deals are all settled and you've established yourself for influences, it's like maybe it's a physical product or a digital product or something like that? Yes, I definitely have plans to create my own brand. Sometime in the future, you know, I, I just started researching um, so definitely have nothing concrete yet, but that is my next step just because, you know, being an influencer for me, I don't see that as the rest of my life career, mm. especially, you know, when I want to have kids right. and I kind of want to live a less fast paced life. Um, I'm looking to kind of start generating revenue in a way that I don't have to actively, you know, be working 24 right. seven. So like with a clothing brand, you know, I think that would be a great next step. It's just so scary. Yeah, yeah. That's usually the evolution. You know, you start because you enjoy it. So you do yeah. it for no money. And then you get some free products and you're like, oh my God. And then you get paid once and you're like, oh, this is awesome. And then later you realize you're being lowballed and then you start getting a manager. And then it's like, how do I create a product? So I can still show up, but then I have a choice of not showing up every day or like five days a week. Mm -hmm. And it does help to you know, pace your life a bit better so that you're not always yeah. um, trying to keep up with the, the latest trends. Yeah. And there's a lot of hopefully stability that comes with it too. You know, um, influencers, they come and go, platforms come and go, you never, I could be canceled tomorrow. Who knows? You never know with the internet, right? But hopefully if I've established, you know, a name for myself in some sense, and then I can create a brand that's profitable. Basically, I, I want this brand to one day supersede me um, and not be associated with me, mm, if that makes yeah. sense. I want it to be its own standing thing. Um, but that is a far off, distant goal. Yeah. So in that case, are you going to name your brand something that's not your name in it? I think so. Um, I haven't brainstormed that much yet, but I do feel like I kind of want to separate it a little bit yeah. just so in the future it doesn't automatically have to be like oh Vanessa's brand yeah yeah wow that's a huge step um I I know that's going to be a huge undertaking but I'm really excited to see what you come up with that because I'm sure it will be really unique and unique to your style as well thank you I hope it goes well again I just started so I, I haven't even started. It's more like an mental thing right now, but but just wait and see. <laughs> I just wanted to say thank you so much, Vanessa, for coming on here and sharing your uh, tips and your journey. It's really inspiring to see how you blew up so quickly. But what's really cool is that you still maintain like the quality and the sort of the humility, which is very, very nice to see. So I'm very excited to see what you have coming up. And thank you so much for your time. Well, thank you. And thank you for having me. It's been a blast talking to you. Thanks again for tuning in to the Full-Time Influencer Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with someone who could benefit from it. And I'll see you in the next one.